Well, here we are. We've lost an hour of sleep. Kind of feels like a punishment, doesn't it? I don't know. <laughs> Especially in times when, when your life is already hectic and crazy and then you lose an hour of sleep, it does feel like a punishment. It's like, man, it could have get any worse. Now I've got to pay for it. But my, my last week, this actually, yeah, this past week was a really, really busy week. And then yesterday we had T-ball all day. It was opening ceremonies and my son is a first year T-ball player and I got pulled into coach's team. And so I was down at the ballpark most of the day, pictures and opening ceremonies and an afternoon game. A lot of fun, just hilarious watching kids play T-ball. My favorite memory was balls hit. My son happens to field the ball, throws it to first base, who the first baseman wasn't looking at all, and, uh, and the ball rolls off. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, you still got time. And I'm looking for the base runner, nowhere to be found. He's running towards the outfield, doesn't know where to go. I'm loving it. Like, you still got time. He's not going to make it. Go. So I have to just keep my, my cool because it is T-ball. <laughs> and, the, and the parents probably expect me to keep my cool. So, um, but... But just adding one more full-day event onto an already busy schedule just makes me feel overwhelmed. My schedule already feels packed, and, and, I, and I feel like I'm often running at a breakneck speed, and I need to somehow get back my time. Um, so it's interesting that this would be on the week that I'm going to talk about time. We, we're in a message series called The Trust Factor, and what I talked about last week was the goal for this series is I want to challenge you to trust God to the extent that you are willing to obey Him in areas that bring you to great risk. God's going to challenge you to risk risk your comfort. He's going to risk your safety, your convenience at times, in order to obey Him in different areas. Last week we looked at the area of following authority and just how much the Scripture says about how important it is to follow the leadership in our lives. Those people who maybe uh, are bosses on the job, maybe it's in the home, maybe in church, uh, government leaders. There's just all of these authority figures in our lives and our, our trust of the Lord is, is played out as we keep ourselves submitted to those leaders in our life. And that's a scary thing. And this is another area that I feel like is really threatening to our lives because we're going to look at the use of our time. And all of us, including myself, we like to control our time. I love to be in control of my time. And so when anybody starts threatening my time use, it is a direct threat against me. And so you probably feel the same way. Um, but I think for most of us, we all struggle with our schedule, just keeping things in balance. And I know I'm not the only one who deals with that struggle. And interestingly enough, God has some amazing insight into this whole area of time use. But I want to warn you, your response to this message will likely be, yeah, Josh, but I don't have time. I don't have time to implement these things. I'm too busy to stop and evaluate or make any changes. You know, I, I don't want to do that. Or, if I've got to spend some time doing this, then forget it. I just can't afford to do that. And so, but God is going to continue to um, push you out on this edge, trusting Him in this area of, of your time use. And especially if you're a Christ follower, if you're someone who follows Christ, God is going to continue to uh, challenge you to put this area on the line for Him. It's very threatening but I want to look at it today. And there's three facts of life I want to start with. You can see these in your outline if you'd like to follow along. The first fact of life related to our time is this. It's that your time is limited. This is a universal fact. All of our time, it's, it's limited. That's pretty obvious. You probably don't even need to write it down. But like most of us, 
you probably schedule your life as if you have unlimited time. We tend to just pack things into our lives. I'm guilty of this. And people come and say, We're, you know, if you're going to keep adding that to your life, Josh, what are you going to stop doing? And I think, I don't know. I, I'm, I haven't really thought that far ahead. But I'm just going to keep adding. So I add, I add, I add. I say yes, I say yes, I say yes. And over time, what happens, it's like a balloon. Over time, that balloon can only take so much air, right? We all know what happens there. But it never really occurs to us that we need to eventually stop adding things to our life and stop saying yes to everything. Because our, our lives, our time, is, it's limited. Another thing about our time is this. All of your time is going to be spent. Every single second that you have will be spent doing something. Um, none of us have any leftover time. None of us can get to the end of the week and pull out a box that we saved up and say, look, honey, you know, here's 45 minutes of extra time that I've been saving. You know, how do you want to, how do you want, do you, would you like some of this time? Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take 10 minutes, maybe you can, we, we can't do that. Same thing at the end of our life. We can't arrive at the end of our life and then, and then say, hold on, I got this box. I got six months left. I can't go right now. We just, we don't have that kind of control because all of our time is going to be spent. And it sounds simple, but again, we act as if we can somehow find extra time hidden away somewhere, but it's just not possible. Another thing is this. Somebody, somebody is going to determine how we spend our time. That, these are just facts of life. For most of us, that person is, is, is ourselves. It's me. You know, we decide how we're going to spend our time. We're in control of our calendar. Like, I, I calendar things through my phone. That's, that's, my, that's what keeps me on track. And... Uh, you know, when my phone battery dies and it says, you know, you better plug this in or you're going to lose some important information, I rush to the charger because I know that there's things I have, I've written down only in that one place. But I, I feel like I like to be in control of my time schedule. But for some of us, though, there's another group of people who, who control our time and who determine where we need to be. Um, those of you who are parents, you know, your kids, they, they kind of determine some of your schedule, don't they? They, they need to get to school, they need to get to practice, they need to get to sports events. Uh, PTA, maybe you're a PTA mom. You know, PTA might be determining how you're going to spend your time. Maybe your friends are going to determine, or your boss. And there's all these different people that want to determine how we spend our time, but the problem is this, and you see it there, the problem is we tend to allow, whether it's us or other people, we tend to allow the urgent things in our life to push out the most important things. And you may have read this principle before, a lot of people write about this, but actually this is something that you discover God, He has said in the Bible. That if we're not careful, we will allow the urgent, the pressing things, the emergencies, the crisis to just push out the most important things. And God, he, He's very concerned that we find time for the most important things in our life. But that's where the trust factor comes in. We've got to trust Him to, to find how do we get the most important things back into our life. And uh, the things that we know are very important, things like exercise, you know, I don't exercise enough, or I don't spend enough time with my kids or my family, I'm not nurturing my marriage, or I'm not, I'm not hanging out with my friends like I ought to be, or I'm not finding any time for recreation. Whatever you feel like those important things are, if you're not careful, all those urgent emergencies will just push them out of your life. And that's what happens when we're in control, and when other people are in control, that's what happens. The urgent things take over. And so we've got to figure out how to allow God to redirect this whole area of our life. Um, you know that, th- that you struggle with this 
uh, in different ways. But one one example is if you're married and um, you know you're, you're struggling with the urgent versus important things. I read this in a book where the book suggested a way to keep romance and intimacy in a marriage relationship. And the author suggested take out a calendar and you have the month written out, okay? All your days in the month. And it says circle with a big red marker with a heart around the days when you want to be romantic and be intimate in your relationship. And then at least you'll know you can protect those days and you'll both be prepared for that. Now, that kind of tells you that there's probably a there's probably an issue here of too much urgency driving your life if, if we have to actually circle with a heart around the days when when romance ought to be there. And so but this could this could look differently for, for different people, but we have to be very careful in this area of, of protecting our time. So God wants to be in charge of this area. And I, I think one of the things that he wants to do is he wants us to just simply surrender this whole area of time use to him. And here's the logical thing. If he's the one who, who gave us time, then he can control it. But not only that, but he also knows how many days in our life that we actually have left. The scripture is very clear about this. And here's what the Bible says. This is in the book of Job, Job 14.5. Just one statement. Job says, man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months, and you've set limits that he cannot exceed. That's what the Bible says about our time. There's some fixed, our time is fixed. It's limited. In other words, God has already determined the exact number of our days. He already has determined how long we will live. And every time you get up in the morning, essentially you could get out of bed, you can put a check on that last day because it's over. You can't save it up. You can't bring it back. All of the moments you have were spent. You can't bank it like vacation time. And Job just reminds us of this simple fact that our that we can't add numbers to our days. And God himself, he has set the limits on our life. He has set the boundaries. We can't exceed it. And it makes sense to us that if, if he's the one that has set these limits, that then we ought to figure out how can we ask him or invite him to lead us with those days that we have remaining on this earth. And Scripture, throughout the Scripture, we find God extending people's lives. And also, since He's control of it, he, He's able to extend life. And he's also, we see times where lives are taken. There was a man, Jesus tells a parable about a man, and he thought he had lots of time left. And God said, nope, your time is up. You find that story in Luke 12, 16 through 20. It's a parable that Jesus tells. And he's just saying, look, we, we really do think we're in control of this area, but we're not. Our time may be up soon. And so, again, we want to release or surrender control of our time use to him. There's another story about a king. You find this in 2 Kings chapter 20. A king named Hezekiah. And a prophet came to Hezekiah and said, your life is up. It's, it's all done. And so... Well, Hezekiah prayed, and God extended his life. God said, I'm going to give you more time. He said, I'm going to give you more days. You're not going to die just yet. And so God truly is the one who's in control of this whole area. We don't understand it. I I don't understand it. Sometimes people, they pass away, and I, I just do not understand why that happened at that time. And then you have cases where people live very, very long lives. God, God, Scripture declares that he has set these limits. 
So this is an extremely area to surrender, extremely important area to surrender to him because he is the one in control, not us. And there's four things I want to focus on this morning about how, how do I trust God with my time. The first is this. We need to recognize that all of our days are numbered by God. Again, that reiterates that. But you only get to be a teenager one time. If you're a teenager in here, you cannot be a teenager twice. So enjoy it. You, know, you can only be in Little League one time. Once it's over, you can't relive that memory of that dream. No matter how many memories it brought back for me yesterday, I cannot you know, dress up in a Little League outfit. I'm short enough, but I probably couldn't fool them. You know? You know, I'm personally grateful that I'll never have to relive junior high again. I don't ever want to do that again, but that's, that's true. You can't live junior high over again. You, you can never relive that high school football game, you know, that championship game that you, you blew, or that, that, that baseball game that you were pitching and you just, it didn't go well and you wish you could redo that. But you just can't relive these moments. Our days are numbered. You only get to be 21 one time. You only get to be 30 one time. I've heard you get to be 40 a few times, you know. It kind of goes on. Huh? But eventually you do land at 50. You only get to be 50 once, 60 once, 70 once, 75, 80. You know, depending on how long you live, you only get to be those ages one time because our days are numbered by God. And so he wants us to make the most of it. And it begins with this perspective. It's not so much um, just getting after things, but it's beginning in our mind. We have to recognize that God, and we have to lock onto this perspective that He is the one that's in control of it. He's the one who's numbered our days. Look at what the psalmist said in Psalm 90:12. He said, Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The psalmist is saying this is important. He's reiterating this phrase. In other words, if you want wisdom about your schedule, it begins by realizing that all of your days are already numbered. And once we understand this, then God can shed some lights on how to appropriate all of our days. He wants us to, to handle every moment accordingly. Think about it. What if you were to find out tomorrow that you had one week left to live? If you found out something was wrong in your life, you had one week left to live, what would you do? Most likely you would rearrange your schedule around most important things, wouldn't you? You wouldn't say, well, I got this deadline at work and I got to get it finished and, and I and I mean and it's you know, if I don't get it finished then there's not gonna be enough cheese pups in that vending machine or or and we we might address the urgent things or, you know what, my tire or you know, I've been wanting to get my car painted before, you know, and you know, I wanted to change the oil and rather than spending time with the most important people in our lives, handling the most important things in our lives Again, if you found out you had one month to live, again, you would rearrange your schedule. And God, in this verse, He is really reminding us that we have one life to live, and we need to ask ourselves, how then should we live it? We don't just want to take control of it for ourselves, but we want to ask, we want to bring it to Him and figure out, how can I wisely live my life? One, one man, he took marbles he filled up a jar about 1300 marbles that he bought from a toy store and each of the marbles represented a week or a saturday of his life and every saturday and his wife thought he was morbid but every saturday he went to the jar and he would throw away one of those marbles because for him it represented his life and he wanted he figured he might live to 75 so he had enough marbles for enough saturdays to 75 and what it allows him to do is keep perspective on the days of his life. He had, 
he'd recognize that his days were numbered. And, and it keeps, because this is really a matter of perspective. It's not a matter of just getting busy, but it's a matter of starting where we recognize who's in charge of this area. The second thing is this. Scripture says we want to prioritize in light of the fact that we have limited days. We want to set the right priorities. And Scripture, in the book of Ephesians, in the New Testament, Paul, he's talking to this church which he had started. And he writes to them in this letter, and he's, he's just hitting on different points. But one, he gets to time management and the way we spend our life, the way we live our life. And he says this. This is in the New American Standard, a little more literal translation of the Bible. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk. That word walk, it really can mean how you live your life. There, be careful how you live your life, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's saying because your days are limited, then you need to take full advantage of your time. And you don't want to miss out on accomplishing what is important to God just to get after the things that are important to you. Don't miss what's on God's heart. What is His will? Discover what's on His mind. The way we learn that is through the pages of Scripture. God wants to reveal to us from His written Word what is most important in life. And so... Here's a good question to use every time you deal with your schedule. And you find in your outline is this. Or you don't have it in your outline, I guess. Oh, no, you do. Here it is. But it's what is the wise thing to do? Is this wise to do right now? When you're thinking about adding something into your schedule, ask that question. Is this the wisest way to spend my time and my life? In light of all my hopes, in light of my desires, in light of what I want for my family and my future, what is the wise thing to commit to here? Is it wise to say, yeah, we'll be there? You know, Is it wise to sign the kids up for this or that? Is it wise to commit yourself to this or that? Not, is it wrong or is it right? Catch that. It's not about, is it right or wrong? Because we have many choices on good things, but we need to choose the wisest thing when we're making decisions. This is the way that I typically calendar. Well, you know, i got three hours. i got a three-hour slot. Yes, you know, I just pack it in there. But I need to ask myself, we all need to ask ourselves, is this really wise to add in this slot? And sometimes it's okay to just say, you know what, sorry kids, this, this wasn't the wisest thing for us to commit to right now. We're going to have to wait to a different time. Or, sorry honey, we just can't make this decision right now because that's just not, that wouldn't be wise for us to add that into our life. It's okay because otherwise we are like that balloon who just keeps filling up and filling up and filling up and it can only go so far before it bursts. And here's a little side note for all of you that are more type A personality. You're hard-charging individual. You're just aggressive in the way you do your life. I think the fear of, of prioritizing your life and really sitting and thinking through this whole area of time management is the thought creeps in, if I do this, how am I going to stay productive? How am I, how am I going to get things done? I figure we'll just be sitting around, you know, honey, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do tonight? Whatever you want to do. And there will be the, just this unproductive feeling. That's just not the case. The Scripture says that, well, and we're going to look at the life of Jesus and just see how much he was able to accomplish in his life. And when we recognize that both our time is, our days are numbered and we need to bring our priorities to him, he will help us prioritize so that the most important things find their way into our life. Because our capacity is not determined by how much stuff that we just pack or jam into our life, it's really determined by the priority. 
The priority determines our capacity. What you decide to prioritize determines how much stuff you can get into your life. Think about packing your car. Think about if you go on a trip, you pack your car, your van, or your SUV, and you got all the luggage, and you tell everybody, take the luggage to the, to the car, don't put it in, I'm going to pack the car. Now, when I do this, usually it doesn't work out good. But when my wife repacks the car after I can't get it all in, it usually can find its way all into the vehicle. But the reason is because she's discovering kind of the fact that priority determines capacity. If you will take the largest things, the most important things that need to go on that trip, and put them in the van first, then we can find the place to put, you know, this and that and these little things that may not be as important. Rather than just stuffing it all in there like we want to do with our schedule, that's, that packing the car analogy really is a lot like how we do our life and how we need to be thinking through prioritizing our lives and our schedules. Because there is a limit, but in terms of how much we get in, it really is determined by the priority of what we put in there first. And this is a spiritual truth. This is something that God wants us to, to recognize here. He says, you know, that even the Psalm 90:12, you know, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There are things that we need to be wisely adding into our life in the right, proper order. Otherwise, we cannot fit everything that's, that's really, that God wants you to have in your life or the things you might be concerned about. Now, this next thing, this probably scares us most because we think we just don't have time for this. But it's make your time alone with God a priority. So priority determines capacity. Now also we need, to, we need to make our time alone with God a major priority. That most important thing that gets itself into our life. It sounds simple, but there's, this, there's something powerful when you'll come to God and you'll say, God, I've got X number of days ahead of me. I've got a lot on my plate and I don't know what awaits me, but I'm going to commit to you the first 15 minutes of my day or the first 30 minutes, or 45 minutes, or 5 minutes of my day. I'm going to bring this to you first, because it's the most important priority of my life. And if, if I will bring this most important priority, you will extend my capacity to handle everything else that I'm going to encounter today. The things that I, I need to do, I feel like I need to do. But if we'll keep that priority first, God will, he, he will help us with this whole area of fitting things into our life. And this is really a way to apply Matthew 6.33. Jesus said this, he said, but seek first. The very first thing needs to be his kingdom and his righteousness. It's like packing the car. He wants this to find itself, his kingdom and his righteousness. Time with him ought to be first place in our life. It needs to be the first thing that we put in. And you know what you might discover is there might be, just like when you're packing a car, there might be some things you, you just can't fit. You put everything in, and then you recognize, gosh, I can't fit all these things. I'm going to have to leave some things home, pick them up along the way, and just head to my destination. And that's okay. Because the Scripture goes on and says, the promise of this verse is, and all these things shall be added to you. You know, those things, you find them in Matthew 6 earlier on. It's talking about houses, or where we're going to live. What are we going to eat? How am I going to be clothed? He's saying all these things that we chase after and that consume us, the things that become urgent, pressing issues in our life, that eat up our time schedule. He's saying, if you will seek me first, then all those other things, I will, I will add those things in at the right time, at the right point. I'll, I'll make sure that those things get fit into your life without being neglected. So 
just think to, think to yourself, am I, am I doing this? Am I willing to make my time alone with God a priority? This is, this is extremely powerful. God already knows what's on your plate. He knows how busy you are. He knows how busy this upcoming week is going to be for you. So he wants to come first. Jesus, in in the uh, book of Mark, I've been reading through Mark in my time alone with God, and one of the things that I encountered in the earlier chapters was just how active Jesus' ministry was. It's just like he launched into ministry and he was constantly on the go. He didn't stay in one place very long. And what's amazing to me is that he found time for the most interesting things. And so in Mark chapter 1, this is out of the, mes- the message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible. Um, one of the things it says, and I'm just going to walk you through some of the early days of his ministry. Um, Jesus comes to a, a fishing area. He, he calls to a couple of fishermen, Simon and Andrew. He says, come with me. And they're going on a journey. They're going to make disciples. And then he comes to another set of fishermen, James and John. And again, he makes them the same offer. And then they head into a place called Capernaum. And it says, Jesus lost no time in getting to the meeting place. And he spent the day there teaching. He's teaching for a while. Suddenly, while he's still in the meeting place, he was interrupted by a man who was deeply disturbed and yelling out. So now here comes a person who's struggling with the demon. And Jesus has to deal with this spirit that's bothering this man. He cast the spirit out of him. Then it says, news of all this traveled fast and was soon all over Galilee. So everybody's hearing about this, this man named Jesus, what he's teaching, what he's doing as far as the spiritual dimension. And directly on leaving that place, they came to Simon and Andrew's house. So they, they left one place. Now here's this other issue. Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed, burning up with a fever. They told Jesus, and he went to her. He took her by the hand, and he raised her up. So he heals this lady, Simon's mother-in-law. And then it says, that evening after the sun was down, they brought sick and evil afflicted people to him. The whole city lined up at his door. So here's Jesus again. His day is just getting jam-packed because all these people are wanting time with him, wanting help from him. And it says that he cured them. He cured their sick bodies and he delivered them from these tormenting spirits. And then it says, while it was still night, and we come to this verse, Mark 135, I'll read it in NIV. It's very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, think about the context here. Everyone is pressing in on his life. And here Jesus gets up while it was still dark. He, people were there past you know, sundown into the wee hours of the night. And then Jesus gets up that next morning. While it was still dark, he goes off to find a place where he can be alone with God. And then it says in verse, uh, you're not going to have this up on your screen. It says, Simon and those with him went looking for him. And they found him and they said, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. So here he is. He's, he's spent some time with God and now they're chasing after him just saying, hey, there's already people here. Your whole day is already planned for you. But he, he got his time alone with God in the morning. He made sure of it. And then he goes on. He heals a man. Another, he throws out demons from another person. There's a guy with leprosy. He heals him. Chapter 2, that's just chapter 1. Chapter 2, there's a paraplegic man who's, who's um, brought to Jesus and he's healed. Another healing. Then in the evening it says, he calls to a man named Matthew, who's a tax collector. He asks him to come and follow him and, and to, to do life following Jesus and to help make other disciples. Matthew invites him to his house. He spends the evening with Matthew's friends hanging out, having dinner with them. 
Again, this is just ministry for Jesus and a regular, a regular day in the life of Jesus. And he takes some criticism from, from the Pharisees. And it's just on and on and on. Jesus, you, don't get a lot of, you don't get a lot of breaks in his life. It appears that he's just constantly on the go. The Pharisees, a group of religious teachers, they just keep attacking him. You get to chapter 3, he starts doing more healing. He calls disciples. It's interesting, get to chapter 4, and Jesus goes, <clears throat> they decide to go out on a boat, chapter 4. It says, late that day, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And they took him in the boat as he was. Other boats came along, and a huge storm came up. Waves were pouring in, threatening from every side to sink the boat. And Jesus was in the stern, head on a pillow, sleeping. They roused him, saying, Teacher, is it nothing to you that we're going to drown? So I just find it interesting that here's Jesus. He's, he's not so stressed that he can't even catch a little nap. You know, he goes on a boat, this storm's raging, and Jesus takes a nap. And I think the reason why he was able to uh, not allow every, everything and everyone that was pressing on, in on his life to, um, to take complete control to where he could not enjoy his life was because he spent time with God regularly. It was a priority to him. He's even able to take a nap in the middle of a raging storm. Now he gets up, he calms the storm. But it's just interesting. At different points, you find in the Scriptures, Jesus, he'll pull back from the busyness to make sure things are in order, to make sure he's connecting with his Heavenly Father. And that's what, that's what will happen. God will lead us to a place of productivity if we'll do this. If we'll keep him first, he will lead us to make sure that we're going to be productive in our lives. Jesus got so much done in His early ministry. And I really can't even get my mind around how many people were pressing in on Jesus. But from the, from the sounds of it, as we read the pages of Scripture, there's just countless people always wanting time with Him. So this is a way to trust God. Another way to trust God with your time is this. The last one is create finish lines. Create finish lines for yourself. Every day, have a finish line. This is something I'm really trying to work on. Just setting a time where I'm going to... And you know, sometimes you can't always live by this law. But to be able to say, you know what? I am going to stop the day at a certain point and I'm going to leave what's undone for tomorrow. I'm going to create a finish line. And when I get to that point, I'm going to celebrate what God has done and how He's used me for this day, but I'm not going to try to bring that stuff and just live it all out before my family. And I think for all of us in this room who carry a lot of stress and pressure because of all the time and all the demands on your life, it's just so easy to just not have any boundary and to not have a cutoff point, and so there's no finish line. And over time, you and your family, all of us, you know, we pay a dear price for that. So create a daily finish line. My, good friends of mine, they, they really help me remember this. And they'll, they'll check on me in this area. And they'll say, hey, you need... I had one friend, Scott. He, he said, Josh, you need to make sure you're taking your day off. You need to make sure you do that. Which is really this finish line. Create a weekly finish line. Not just a daily finish line, but also have a, a weekly finish line. You know, hopefully you can have a day in your schedule where you can take a break. Where you can actually rest where you don't have to do any work, and you can just enjoy time with the Lord. You can enjoy time with your family. You can just enjoy time playing even. But 
we need to learn how to take this Sabbath. The Scripture talks about the Sabbath in the Old Testament. Look at Exodus 31, 16 through 17. The, the Sabbath is the idea of the Sabbath. You know, in the, in the in the book of Genesis, God created everything. It says in the first day He created, you know, heavens and the earth, right? Well, throughout each day, He was creating, speaking things into existence. And it says on the very last day, He didn't create anything else. He rested from creating. Now, God is a God of productivity. He's the one that made it all. He's not a He He's not against being productive in your life. He, he's you know, he's supportive of this because he wired us in the same way. But look at what it says in Exodus 31, 16 through 17. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath is that day of rest, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh days, on the seventh day, he abstained from work and he rested. This is a trust issue. To take an actual day off is a major trust issue, especially if you're one whose work always spills over. You never finish anything. You've always got that to-do list or these sticky notes that are always undone and unfinished. If that's your life, getting a rest day, it, it, it seems impossible because you think, well, I need to work all seven days if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make enough money, if I'm gonna get everything done. So the trust factor is saying to God, God, I trust that with six days of work, you will provide for me as if I had worked seven full days. And God, in, in a supernatural way, if you'll trust him working six, can provide for, for you as if you'd worked for seven. And, you know, there's circumstances um, that may not allow this always to happen in your life. But this is something that you're going to find in the Scripture. If you, tra- if you take Christ seriously, you really want to follow him. He's going to talk about this whole area of taking rest periods. There's periods of stress, but then there's periods where you back off and you take a rest and you let God refill and re-energize you for the next day. So here's some, here's some next steps you want to look at. Maybe God has spoken to you in one of these areas. I would encourage you to check that in your outline. And then if you'd like to, check it on the connection card and then turn that in the offering. We'll pray for you in those areas. The first one is just talk to someone about my time use. Maybe you feel like it's just you're overwhelmed and you need to see and have an outside perspective. Talk to someone about that. Another next step would be to just talk to God the first thing each day this week. Or do everything within my power to take a regular day off. I did this on Friday. And I tell you, it was glorious. I mean, I can't say that I didn't think about work or have any conversation about work. But I'm sure working on taking a day off. And, and we all need that. Another thing is, memorize this verse, Psalm 90:12. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. If you'll memorize verses, God will, He can bring those things up in our lives just at the right time when we need to hear it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as the band comes and leads us a few more songs. Father, thank You for Your love. Thank You for Your goodness. And just uh, thank You for the example that You set in the life of Jesus, Lord, and and uh, the way that he was, you know, able to carry out so much. He was able to be so productive and to do your work. And yet he was not um, overwhelmed to the point of complete exhaustion and uselessness. Like some of, our, uh, some of us may feel that, Lord. We may feel we're just so exhausted because of how much we pack into our life that we're, we're, we're at a point of uselessness. And so, God, would you help us to take a few steps back and to evaluate where we're at and why we're there Lord, help us to recognize that you number 
all of our days, Lord, and we want to use them for the most wisest things, Lord. Help us to set the right priorities in these areas, Lord. God, for, for anybody here that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they would, um, that you would begin to open their hearts to you, Lord, that they would be wanting to know what it means to really personally know you and to, to make you the boss of their life, Lord. I pray that you would um, draw people to yourself, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.